Chapter Five, Part Three of the Markets of Paris by Emile Zola. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Duty before all, Part Three. And as Robin looked after them, Charvet stopped and asked if he would not go with him. But Robin, having his glass half full of beer, contented himself with shaking hands with the pair who never came again. Lacaille said some days after this that he had seen them from the street in a brewery in la rue serpente gesticulating and talking earnestly florent could never indoctrinate claude though he took him more than once to le bigre's where the artist spent his whole evening in drawing caricatures he said to florent as they walked home together the truth is my dear fellow i am not in the least interested in politics but i want to go there again with you to make two or three sketches to add to those i drew while you were discussing by the way what were you discussing the question of the two chambers was it not i could paint a picture from these sketches my boy which would be the success of the salon florent was indignant at this indifference and reproached the painter with his lack of patriotism claude shook his head you are right very likely i do not say that you are not i cannot even answer you you see i only know that france does not need me and that will you allow me to be frank well then the reason i like you is because you seem to me to be dabbling in politics as i dabble in art it is only dabbling my dear fellow florent protested you are an artist in your own way you only dream politics and i am willing to wager that you spend half your time up here gazing at the stars counting them as the votes of the world you can't see you are more of a poet than a politician and that is the truth he then went on to say that he was tired of politics because he had heard so much of them in the various wine-shops and cafes particularly of one in the house occupied by la sarriette which was the favourite place of the youth of the halle there m jules reigned triumphant he read the journals and knew all that was going on at the theatres he adored politics his ideal was morny whom he called thus abruptly he read the reports of the corps législatif and laughed vociferously at every word uttered by morny and he went on to say that the lower classes detested the emperor merely because the emperor wished nice people to be happy i have been to this cafe often said claude and they are funny enough when they with pipes in their mouths talk of the balls at court exactly as if they had been invited you live in a nice set of people certainly said florent smiling the painter raised his eyebrows you need not be troubled they do me no harm i like to see these women of the people in this way i don't want a wife though one would be sorely in my way good-night and sleep well when you are minister i will give you my ideas for the embellishment of paris florent was obliged to relinquish all hope of a convert here this he regretted for in spite of his fanatical blindness and devotion to his theories he had begun to realize the hostility around him which seemed to increase hourly even at the mahoudans his welcome was less cordial the old woman laughed at him covertly much did not obey him and la normande was out of patience with him for she had as yet found no way of arousing him from his coldness she had said to him more than once that he behaved as if he were disgusted with her and she would push back her chair and go to the other end of the table auguste's friendship had likewise vanished he no longer came to his room when he went upstairs at night he was really terrified by the reports he heard of this strange man with whom he had been shut up for hours at a time augustine implored him never to be guilty of a like imprudence 
lisa vexed him moreover by telling them that they could not be married as long as florent remained there as she had no other room to offer them auguste at once determined that the convict must be gotten rid of and at each noise he heard in the night he hugged himself with joy thinking that the police had come at last to arrest florent below stairs at the quenu gradelles this subject was never touched upon quenu was a little saddened by the coolness between his wife and his brother but he consoled himself by paying more attention to the salting of his lard and to the seasoning of his sausages he sunned himself occasionally on his threshold without the smallest idea of the gossip his appearance aroused he was much pitied some of the neighbours declaring that he had grown thin though in truth he had never been so stout in his life while others said that he ought to be ashamed to look so well when his brother was such a disgrace to him quenu they said like most deceived husbands was the last to know the truth and was as cheerful as usual when he chatted with some neighbour on the sidewalk the neighbour however presented as melancholy and sympathetic a countenance as if all the pigs in france had been suddenly afflicted with the jaundice what on earth is the matter he said one day to lisa these people all look at me as if they were about to bury me do i look ill she reassured him telling him that he looked as fresh as a rose for he was terribly afraid of illness sighing and groaning if he suffered from the smallest indisposition but the truth was the charcuterie had lost its gaiety to a very great extent claude came in one day and said to his aunt that it looked far less cheerful than it did the customers all asked for their half pound of lard or ten cents worth of pork with lowered voices as if in a sick-room lisa was as dignified as ever her long white aprons were more glossy and stiffer than of yore her handsome well-kept hands were surmounted by deeper linen cuffs and her face with its sad subdued expression seemed to say that she was enduring the most unmerited suffering marjolet had left the hospital as well physically as ever but he had become nearly an idiot his fall had affected his brain and left him an absolute brute he was like a child of five years of age who had attained a gigantic growth he laughed found it difficult to pronounce certain words and obeyed cadine implicitly except on the one point of not going to the charcuterie just as soon as cadine started off with her wicker tray to sell her violets he went to the sidewalk in front of the charcuterie come in lisa would say she often gave him pickled cucumbers which he adored the sight of la belle lisa pleased him extremely at first she was afraid that he remembered she asked him if his head ever hurt him he said no indeed rocking to and fro in a childish way did you fall she asked yes i fell 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 he sang in a tone of great delight this touched lisa she urged gavard to keep him and after this interview she was not afraid to caress him by taking him by the chin and calling him a good boy the colossus shut his eyes with all the enjoyment of an animal and la belle lisa felt that she owed him this happiness as a small compensation for the blow with which she had felt him like a nox in the cellar under the market in the meantime the shop grew duller and more sombre florent dined there sometimes on sundays when quenu would make frantic efforts at gaiety one night after one of these uncomfortable entertainments he said to lisa what can the matter be i am not ill and yet i have a weight on my heart i am unhappy but i cannot tell why our business is prosperous and everything is going smoothly you too ma belle he continued are not right either in health or spirits 
and I think I shall send for a physician. His wife looked at him gravely. There is no need of medicine, she said, for there seems to be trouble everywhere just now. Then, yielding to a sudden impulse, she said in a tender voice, Take care of yourself, dear, for you must not be ill. That would be my crowning affliction. She kept him as much in the kitchen as possible, knowing that the noise of the chopping and the frying pleased him, and she could in that way keep him away from Mademoiselle Saget, who now passed much of her time in the shop. The old woman was doing her best to push Lisa to extremities. "'There are wicked people,' she said. "'Wicked people, indeed. People who had best mind their own business. If you knew what they said, Madame Quenu. But, no, I would never dare tell you.' Lisa said that it was of no consequence, that she did not care in the least, and the other whispered over the counter. They actually say that Monsieur Florent is not your cousin. And, by degrees, she let Lisa see that she knew all. This was one way of holding Madame Quenu at her mercy. And, when Lisa confessed the truth, feeling it to be the wisest policy to hold under her hand a person who was thoroughly au courant with all the gossip of the quartier, the old maid swore she would be as dumb as a fish, and that she would give the denial to all she heard then in fact she enjoyed the drama she appeared each day with new reports you should take precautions she said i heard two women at the tripe store talking i could not tell of course that they lied they would have thought me crazy a few days later she came in looking as if she were frightened out of her senses and waited until two or three persons who were in the shop had left it and then in a whisper she said I want to tell you that all the men who meet at the cabaret have guns, and they intend to do what was done in forty-eight. Is it not sad to see Monsieur Gavard, rich as he is, mixed up with all these scamps? I wanted to tell you on account of your brother-in-law. But there is no truth in it, I know. No truth in it? Go out any evening and pass la rue Pirouette and hear the noise they make. You remember how they did their best to lead your husband away? is not that true and is it not true that i have seen them with my own eyes making cartridges yes certainly and i thank you only so many things are invented nowadays but this is not an invention unfortunately and everybody says that if the police could get hold of it there will be many persons compromised now monsieur gavard but lisa shook her head as if to say that Monsieur Gavard was an old idiot, and she did not care what became of him. I speak of Monsieur Gavard as I would speak of others, of your brother-in-law, for example, answered the old woman slyly. It seems that he is the chief of the whole movement. I am very sorry for you, for if the police should come here, they might also take Monsieur Quenu. Two brothers, you know, are like two fingers on the same hand. La belle Lisa turned very pale, for Mademoiselle Saget had touched the open wound of her anxieties, and from this time brought a varied collection of anecdotes every evening of innocent persons, who were thrown into prison for having sheltered rascals, and in the evening regularly called at the cabaret, with the hope of gaining some information from Rose, and all the time keeping her eyes and ears open. She had noticed the tenderness shown by Monsieur Le Bigre toward Florent, and his anxiety to keep him there although the small purchases he made could have been no advantage to the house 
one would think she said to herself shrewdly that he expected to sell him but to whom i wonder nor was she ignorant of the position of the two men toward la belle normande and this naturally added to her surprise one evening when she was standing at the counter of the cabaret she heard logre throw himself down in a chair in the inner room and complain of his fatigue saying that he had taken an enormous walk in the faubourg she looked down at his feet and saw not one grain of dust she smiled faintly paid for her liqueur and departed she took up a position then at her own window to complete her observations this window was very high and overlooked so many of the neighbouring houses that it was to her the source of infinite joy she regarded it as her observatory every article in the rooms opposite she could have enumerated she knew at what hour the people rose and what they had for breakfast and even the persons who came to see them she could see the halle and not a woman of the quartier could pass down la rue rambuteau without her knowledge she could say moreover where they were going and what they carried in their baskets she knew how they passed each hour of the day the number of their children the amount of money they made weekly and the quality of their dresses hanging in their wardrobes that was madame loret who was killing herself to educate her son and this one was madame hutin a poor little woman whose husband neglected her and there went mademoiselle cecile the butcher's daughter whose temper was so bad that she would never be married and the old maid could have gone on for an indefinite length of time amusing herself in this way but after eight o'clock she had eyes only for the windows of the cabaret on which she could see the shadows of the conspirators she divined the secession of charvet and clemence from the fact of not seeing their profiles in this way she was able to follow each step of the conspiracy so acute did she become in reading the meaning of each gesture one night she saw gavard's pistols the arms of which she had spoken to madame quenu another night she was puzzled at certain movements and decided they were manufacturing the wadding for their guns the next morning she went to the cabaret at an early hour and out of the corner of her eye saw a pile of linen with red stains lying on the table in the private room this was truly frightful she hurried to call on lisa oh dear madame quenu she said i would not frighten you but i am really terrified and you must swear not to repeat what i say to you for those men would certainly kill me if they knew she then went on to speak of the red linen i don't know what it meant but i could swear it was blood something has happened lisa did not reply she played with a fork she held in her hand mademoiselle saget added softly if i were you i would certainly find out why don't you go and look in your brother-in-law's room lisa started the fork fell from her hand she looked the old woman full in the face mademoiselle saget continued you have a right to do it your brother-in-law will certainly get you into trouble now yesterday at madame taboureau's they were talking about you she is a great friend of yours you know and she said that you were altogether too kind to this monsieur florent and that she would have got rid of him long ago madame taboureau said that yes certainly and you know she is a woman who means what she says lisa looked with unseeing eyes from the window a frown brought her eyebrows closer together she was thinking in the meantime the little old maid had her nose among the dishes on the counter she seemed to be talking to herself bless me here is a cut sausage 
what a pity for it to dry up and this pudding has burst it must have been pricked by a fork it ought to be taken away certainly lisa mechanically took up the pudding and the sausage put them in paper saying they are yours if you will have them in a moment they disappeared into the basket which never left the woman's arm who was now so accustomed to receiving presents that she forgot to say thank you and hurried away to find her dessert when she was alone lisa sat down to think for a week she had been in a state of constant anxiety one evening florent had told quenu that he wanted five hundred francs he said it easily and naturally quenu told him to go to lisa for the money this was especially disagreeable to florent whose application was received by his sister-in-law with compressed lips three days later he asked for a thousand more you see i was right said lisa sarcastically as she was undressing your brother is not as disinterested as you thought i must make an entry of this last thousand francs she seated herself at the secretary and opened an account book i did well to leave a large space she murmured he intends to take it all by bits i see quenu did not speak he was very much out of temper each time his wife opened the secretary the creak of that falling leaf was like a despairing cry in his ears he intended to remonstrate with his brother and prevent him from throwing all his money away on the mahoudans but each time he opened his lips his courage failed him florent in two days had taken fifteen hundred francs logre had said that if they had money things would get on much faster and the next day was overjoyed to find that these words carelessly thrown in the air came down transformed into shining gold pieces which he quickly pocketed after this his demands were incessant one section wished to have a place where they could meet in safety another was compelled to support destitute patriots and there were always purchases of arms to be made florent was ready to give all he had and was only restrained by lisa's disagreeable manner whenever he asked for money for he felt that the cause was holy logre was in the best of spirits and wore rose-coloured cravats and patent leather boots the sight of which seemed to have a bad effect on lacaille's spirits three thousand francs in one week said lisa to quenu what have you to say to that if he goes on this way he won't have a sou at the end of four months and poor old gradelle who worked forty years for this money it is all your own fault exclaimed quenu why did you tell him anything about the fortune she looked at him gravely it is his own she answered he has a perfect right to all he asks for i am ready to give him the money i am only disturbed by the bad use he makes of it and i feel that something must be done do what you please muttered quenu tortured by avarice i won't interfere with you he loved his brother still but the thought of fifty thousand francs melting away in four months disturbed him greatly lisa assisted by mademoiselle saget had a very clear idea of its destination and even went so far as to tell the little old maid how much florent had drawn wishing the truth to be circulated in the quartier this occurred the day before the story of the blood-stained linen was brought to her and which decided her she looked around the shop which seemed to her very dreary even monton the cat had a discontented air she hastily summoned augustine to take her place and went up to florent's room she started when she opened the door the purity of the white bed was stained by a pile of red sashes which streamed down upon the coverlid on the mantelpiece were cockades and epaulettes scarlet and gold 
flags of all colours were hung against the wall thanks to her investigations of her brother-in-law's private papers she knew that these were the colours of the different sections the photographs of auguste and augustine looked pale with fright amid all these revolutionary insignia lisa looked at everything but touched nothing holding herself aloof as if they were red-hot and would burn her it was thus then that the money so hardly and so honestly earned was spent she stood looking out the glowing flowers on the balcony were to her only other cockades and the bird's song sounded in her ears like the echo of musketry then as the idea came to her that the insurrection would burst out to-morrow she heard the roll of drums and the clear notes of the bugle she hurried downstairs without a glance at the papers on the table but she went no further than her own room which she entered at this solemn crisis lisa deliberately dressed her hair with all her usual care her hands did not tremble and her eyes were fixed as she buttoned the waist of her black silk dress using all the strength in her wrist to bring it together she remembered what the abbe roustan had said she asked herself the question and decided that she was only doing her duty and as she pinned her shawl she felt that she was a thoroughly honest woman she put a thick veil over her hat and drew on dark gloves before going out she locked her secretary as if to impart to it a comfortable sense of security that it would not soon be again disturbed quenu was standing at the shop door in his white apron he was quite surprised to see her go out in this grand toilette at ten o'clock in the morning where on earth are you going he asked she invented some story about a shopping day with madame taboureau she added that as she should pass the gaieté she would take seats for the evening quenu ran after her and told her to be sure and take them in the centre of the house she smilingly assented and went on to the cab-stand where she took a fiacre telling the coachman to drive to the gaieté she feared being followed when she had her tickets she went to the palais de justice where she dismissed the carriage and went slowly through the halls and corridors as she was lost amid the hurry and confusion she gave ten sous to a man who guided her to the private room of the chief of police she was received with politeness by a stout bald personage dressed in black she lifted her veil and told her story frankly without any concealments the gentleman listened without interrupting her and when she had finished he said simply you are this man's sister-in-law are you yes answered lisa we are honest people and i do not wish my husband to be compromised he shrugged his shoulders and waved his hand as if this remark were very foolish then with an air of impatience he said for more than a year i have known all you tell me the man has been denounced again and again you understand that if i have not acted it is because i prefer waiting we have our reasons i will show you he laid before her a huge pile of papers she turned them over they were in fact the detached pieces of the history she had just told the authorities of havre rouen and vernon announced florent's arrival then his installation at the Gradelles was noted his entrance at the halles his life his evening spent at the cabaret not an incident was omitted lisa noticed that the reports were double as if they came from two different sources then came a heap of anonymous letters of all forms and styles this was the climax she recognized the fine scrawl of mademoiselle saget denouncing the set of men who frequented the club 
she saw too a large sheet of coarse paper with madame lecoeur's hieroglyphics and one shining page a joint work of la sarriette and m jules these last two letters cautioned the government against gavard she recognized also mother mahoudin's coarse language who in four pages which were almost illegible recounted all the tales which were in circulation in regard to florent but she was utterly overwhelmed when she beheld one of the printed bills of the house bearing the words charcuterie quenu gradel on the back of which auguste denounced the man whom he regarded as the obstacle to his marriage she was asked if she recognized any of these handwritings she stammered forth the word no and rose to leave she drew down her veil to conceal her agitation and vague bewilderment her hands trembled as she drew up her shawl the bald man smiled faintly you see madame that you are a little late but i assure you that we shall remember what you have done tell your husband not to lift a finger certain circumstances may occur he did not conclude his sentence but bowed slightly and half rose from his chair she felt herself dismissed and went away in the ante-room she saw logre and m lebigre who hastily turned away but she was more disturbed than they she hurried through the corridors feeling that there was no escape from the police who knew and saw everything she went to the quai de l'horloge where she walked for some little time soothed and refreshed by the cool air from the seine she felt most keenly the uselessness of the step she had taken her husband was in no danger after all this was of course a relief and yet gave her a certain sense of remorse she was vexed with these women who had placed her in such a ridiculous position she stood still and looked at the seine some coal barges were coming toward her from the end of which men were fishing it was not she then who had delivered florent into the hands of the philistines the relief she felt at this thought astonished her would she have committed an infamous act in doing so she hesitated and wondered if she had been deceived by her conscience the anonymous letters seemed to her more atrocious than anything she had ever dreamed of she had gone openly to fulfil what she believed to be her duty she asked herself if the gradel money counted for anything in her decision no she was not avaricious money had nothing to do with it and she gradually recovered her ease of mind did you get the seats asked quenu when she went into the house he wished to see the tickets and explained to her precisely where they were all of which she had ascertained before purchasing them this theatre project was devised by her merely to get her husband out of the house while the police made a descent on florent which she supposed they would do as soon as her story was heard she had intended asking him to go to walk in the bois they would dine at a restaurant and go from thence to the theatre on their return they would find florent gone now the programme was changed and it was not necessary to go out until it was time for the theatre i told you it did you good to go out said quenu you look as different as possible you should take a walk every day no she answered coldly the streets of paris are not good for the health that evening at the gaiete they played the grace de dieu quenu in a black coat and pearl-coloured gloves studied the programme with great earnestness lisa was superb and folded her arms on the red velvet railing her white gloves were too tight and her arms bulged above them they were both greatly moved by marie's misfortunes the commander was a vile man and pierrot made them laugh as soon as he appeared the charcutiere wept bitterly in the pathetic scenes 
the child's departure the prayer and return of the poor mad girl brought tears to her eyes which she gently wiped away with her handkerchief this soiree was a veritable triumph to her when on raising her eyes she beheld la normande and her mother in the second gallery she bridled sent quenu for a box of caramels played with her fan one of mother-of-pearl with considerable gilding this was too much for the fishwoman she dropped her head and seemed to be listening to her mother's whispers when they met in the vestibule the two women smiled coldly at each other florent had dined early that day with monsieur lebigre he was waiting for logre who was to present to him an old sergeant a man whom he was sure to find very useful and who would assist them in devising the attack against the palais bourbon and the hôtel de ville as night came on a fine rain began to fall and veiled the halle while the low heavy black clouds seemed to rest almost upon the roofs of the houses florent was saddened by the aspect of things and by the rush of yellow water in the gutters logre did not bring the sergeant gavard had gone to dine with friends at batignolles florent was reduced to passing the evening tete-a-tete -tete with robin he was early wearied out and went off to bed but when he reached his room felt nervous and restless the evening before he had been at the funeral of m valoque who had died after long and acute sufferings he would not forget that narrow coffin nor poor madame valoque's tears she had told him that none of the expenses of the funeral were paid and that she had not a sou in the house florent paid everything and the poor woman looked so utterly heartbroken that as he left the house he put into her hand twenty francs this death naturally established him in his position as inspector of the markets he was impatient for the insurrection to burst forth that he might throw aside the braided cap for ever with all these contradictory thoughts and plans surging within him he opened his window and stepped out on the balcony the wind had gone down the rain had ceased but there were no stars in the sky leaning over the railing florent said to himself that sooner or later he should be punished for having accepted a position under the government it was a blemish on his life and he felt that he had perjured himself by serving the empire after the oath he had sworn to himself so many times while in exile the desire of pleasing lisa the charitable use of his emoluments were not strong enough arguments to excuse his weakness his sufferings whatever they might be he deserved he lived over again the last wretched year the persecutions of the market women the nausea he had constantly felt from the atrocious smells and the hostility which was rapidly growing about him all these things he accepted as a chastisement he felt a dull conviction that some catastrophe was close at hand and bowed his head to accept it in expiation of his fault the rain of the afternoon had filled the halle with dampness which brought out all the intolerable smells it seemed to him that from these markets enclosed under one roof rose a thick vapour the butchers and tripe merchants stalls sent forth an odour of blood the vegetable and fruit markets exhaled the acrid smell of sour cabbages rotten apples and decayed vegetables the butter was rancid and the fish tainted at his feet was the poultry market smelling like a stable he heard a gay laugh and the sound of a door closing noisily it was quenu and lisa coming home from the theatre and florent started and with a shiver went in and closed the blinds End of chapter five